Hello everyone and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen and with me are... Devendra Hardwar and Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show, everyone. If you want to find more episodes of this podcast, you can go to slashfilmcast.com, email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Today we got a bunch of what we've been watching to talk with you about, and then we are going to move into an in-depth review. This week we'll be discussing Knives Out, the new Ryan Johnson who done it? It's it's called a Ryan Johnson, uh, a Who Done It by Ryan Johnson, which is, uh, uh, you know, he, he, it's going to be like his version of a Spike Lee joint is kind of how I perceive it, right? Like, sure, a, sure. a way of referring to his own movies that's not just a film. Uh, I think Who Done It's pretty good, Jeff. What do you think? You're, you're you you enjoy wordplay. What do you think of Who Done It as a, a Who Done It? It's a few. Yeah, I like a Who. It's a Who Done It. Yeah, a parlor mystery. It's a few uh, a few syllables, definitely. It's quite a mouthful, but uh, I think uh, I think it could catch on. Certainly, the box office seems to be good. Movie made over forty million dollars in its opening uh, holiday weekend, uh, which I think outpaced expectations by quite a bit. So I'm actually really happy that a movie that is uh, a made by Ryan Johnson, b not based on uh, a pre-existing property, uh, mm-hmm. and c is geared towards adults with an amazing cast is able to still make a lot of money. I think that's very encouraging in this day and age. Yeah, but it was I think it was a little gratuitous that Chris Evans is in the Captain America costume the entire movie. It is you weird. Know? It is weird. I agree with you about that. Well, Jeff Kanata, you uh, were not here on the podcast last week uh, that's uh, for the Jojo Rabbit episode. That's um, right. And uh, Jojo Rabbit, a, a movie I think you would actually uh, appreciate. Both Devinder and I. I can't wait to watch it. I yeah, can't both wait Devinder to watch and I really it. liked it. Um, but we had a little after dark last week where we talked about the Tesla Cybertruck. And mm. we both expressed a desire. We were like, oh man, it's too bad Jeff's not here because yeah. we would love to hear what his opinion on it was. Because I'm all about that Cybertruck. Yeah, <laughs> so so you are a fan of it. Like, what what is your? Yes, I love you, it. You love like what do you like about it? Because to to many people, it looks monstrous. Yeah, I, I understand. Uh, my that. first impression, by the way, was burn it with fire, send it to hell. Basically, <laughs> I I I don't. I mean, I guess I get that. I guess people <laughs> genuinely think it is ugly, and the aesthetic is bold. To say the least. Fire so, taste, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, anything that is that different is going to be polarizing, and I understand that. And so I have to acknowledge that there are people on both poles, right? If it's polarizing, there's got to be two poles. <laughs> but I'm on that pole that says, <laughs> yeah, dude, go for it. Go for it. I love just the pure audacity of making something that doesn't look like everything else, actually trying something different and new and pushing things forward, actually shooting for the moon and going, yeah, let's do it. Let's introduce something that doesn't, that is a leap forward. Isn't just incremental is a, is a leap. And maybe you don't think it's forward. Maybe you think it's sideways or backwards. It's another direction. Yeah. But it is a new, it is another direction. It is, it is somebody saying, why can't cars look like a crazy <laughs> sci-fi movie from the 80s? Why not? We can do whatever we want. We're a, a car company that has no baggage. It has no vestiges of a of a you know 60, 80, 100 year history. We don't we can do anything. So let's 
completely rethink what this is and just be bold, be uh, provocative and right. make something that's genuinely new. It is it looks like nothing else out there and it is genuinely new. It is it is engineered in a different way. It is uh it performs in a different way. It is genuinely new. And that to me I love that in any I love people taking big swings and this is a huge swing. Now, I have to say <laughs> <laughs> I watched live that presentation mm. and oh my goodness, it, that was, that was a singular viewing experience <laughs> watching it live. Literally truly, ripped out of HBO Silicon Valley. Yeah. I, I mean, you, if you wrote that people would be like, that's just too implausible. It's just silly. It would never happen. Yeah. It would never happen. I mean, they would make sure that the windows would not break. And then if they did uh -huh. break, he wouldn't have to just stand there yep. for the rest that, of the, at the presentation. beginning of your show. Yeah. That's uh, and the next video package, <laughs> the literally the next video package is all the stuff that we threw at the window and it didn't break. And you no know, producer went metal balls before. Yeah. There was no producer who went, let's skip that package. Let's uh, let's skip that video package. Move to the next thing. I mean, set aside the yeah. fact that Elon is, <laughs> an atrocious public speaker. He is just <laughs> embarrassingly awkward. I mean, I, I would say, you know, if I'm being charitable, Jeff, I would say that he relies on the products to speak for themselves. Yes. Right? No, like he, he's no, it's he basically doesn't. like I don't need to I don't need to do any preparation because here's the thing. Except I, I think, and I think he you're is the, speaking. He I, has I, things to say. <laughs> you know, I, I think we all uh, are on the same page about this. Like we all appreciate the art of a really well-delivered corporate presentation having been like as someone who has been uh, a person who has helped people prepare these things i, I have been sure and davindra you have been on the side of people who've been covering them as as have yeah, you I've, jeff i've right i've done them yeah I know. <laughs> I so we all we all have been be the on guy like, on stage we all yeah. have been on one or both sides of this equation before and so we all appreciate what a very polished uh, very well delivered presentation is, and that is not it. Uh, no, what, what basically Tesla whenever is. he speaks yeah. for any presentation, but yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, it definitely looks like he does not want to be there, <laughs> and someone or actually multiple someones have put a lot of work into building these video packages, and he introduces them like, let's just get through this, um, <laughs> let's just see the next thing, and well, okay, th yeah, this is a thing we put together. And it's like. Uh, dozens of man hours went into each of those things. You know, somebody stayed up late editing it, trying yep. to make the have the biggest impact. And the CEO just completely undercuts it at the literally the only time it will be viewed by anyone. You know, <laughs> sounds and, like a healthy work environment. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, and you know, he doesn't seem to want to be there. And and if if he was truly letting the product speak for itself, it would be awesome. He could just walk out on stage and go, "Hi, I'm Elon yeah. Musk." We no made words, the just, yeah. yeah. Shoot we made the Cybertruck, here it is, you know? But no, there's 20 minutes of preamble, and <laughs> it's not great, and it looks like he didn't, you know, Dave, you, you set this up by saying we have all been on multiple sides of this thing. Yeah. So we all know, and I'm sure many people listening are very well aware, these things are meticulously planned. Yeah. Down sure. to the second they are rehearsed. There is no, not one of these that you see where the people on stage haven't gone through every beat of what they're doing multiple times. It is a choreographed 
rehearsed. Every exchange on stage, everyone knows what question is coming at them. Everyone knows what answer they're going to say. There is nothing left to chance, except for the fact that it looks like Elon has no idea what's happening around him. It looks like (laughs) he did not participate in any rehearsal process whatsoever and couldn't have cared less about the rehearsal process, Mm. even though he's the central figure in this drama. Uh, yeah. So having said all that, where the presentation itself was, I I hate it when people say cringe or excruciating when they talk about watching things, because I I just think that's such a tired expression. But boy, if anything ever earned it, it would be this presentation, because just sitting there watching the rest of it with that shattered, when the guy throws the ball at the first window and it breaks and you're like, Oh my God, what are they going to do next? <laughs> and then the guy goes, do you want me to throw it at the back window? And Elon's like, sure. And sure, then that not? one breaks too. You're just like, Oh guys. Oh. Doesn't he also like mutter? Holy shit. Like that's the first one happened too. So, <laughs> you know, at least I think he said, Oh my effing God was the, was oh the my effing God. Yeah. And he yeah. goes, at least it didn't go through. That's something. <laughs> So Those Jeff, shatterproof think... windows will be really helpful, by the way, when you are stuck underwater and the water pressure makes it so that you can't open your doors and you, you will die inside that Cybertruck. It's great. We'll drive the Cybertruck into the water, man. <laughs> so, Jeff, I think what I'm hearing from you is, uh, first of all, Devendra, very dark. Secondly, Jeff, I think what I'm hearing from you is you love the product, weren't a big fan of the presentation. Yes, but nobody's going to remember the presentation in two years when this thing comes out. I mean, right, right. maybe with a truck chuckle. But the, the big question, though, Jeff, have you pre-ordered this thing? Oh, dude, if it wasn't for my wife ripping the phone out of my hand, <laughs> well, Jeff, I don't would you, have. Don't you already have... own a Tesla as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. do. I, I have the Model 3. What do you think of it? Uh, I, I adore it. I'm not a car guy. I've never loved a car before, but I love my Model 3. I, I, I love it because it doesn't feel like a car. It feels like a computer. It, and I love computers. I'm a tech guy at heart and always have is been. Your, I've is never your been... wife a fan of the Model 3? She was not <laughs> until we got it. And now she loves it and doesn't want to drive her car. All right. All right. Well, yeah. There you go. Well, it's a con. Dude, it is. It is. I love the car. I love everything about it. I love the fact that I wake up some mornings and get into it and it can do new things now. That's oh, yeah. amazing. Uh, I like that it can drive me home. I like that you know it it can i've never been in a car i've never driven a car that can just get off the line like this thing and i can just zip around people and it, there's always more power to be had so if i'm on the freeway and i need to go a little faster yeah it could do that it, it's it's great now i begged my <laughs> wife to let me get the the cyber truck for no reason there's no <laughs> usefulness in my life to have a pickup truck like there's no you and i've never wanted a pickup truck before and so she was very sensible and said, no, we're not getting that. Also, she thinks it's fugly. But it, it is it is very fugly. It so looks cool, like dude. Elon Musk scribbled like a the aerodynamic drawing you'd get from like a test chamber on a napkin. It was just like, here, make this. It's basically. so cool, dude. It's so cool. Oh, man, and it's going to be all, it, there's so many and 147,000 pre-orders already. I know at least three people that I'm friends with that pre-ordered it. Who knows if they actually buy it, right? It's, you know, two years away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh I, I can't wait to ride in one. I think I can't wait to, you know, not be able to get out in the underwater. It's going to be so great. 
but it's great. It, it's you know. Do, it, do you know why cars have crumple zones, Jeff? Like it's got to have crumple zones, that thing right? Is, <laughs> it has to. It's got to. But by law, they also made a really big deal of it having stainless steel. Like basically, the the entire uh, yeah outer shell is stainless steel. So yeah, it better crumple because otherwise you will be the ones crumpling. It That's also well, no. Everyone you run into will be the yeah. one. You'll just drive over them like some sort of you know post apocalyptic nightmare <laughs> car. Um, but. It also doesn't have rearview mirrors, and you can't sell cars in most yeah, states yeah. without rearview mirrors. So, you know, there are changes coming. They have some stuff to work on. Well, uh, so I just wanted to get the countervailing point of view on on the Cybertruck, and I think we've spent enough time on that now. Um, but you, speak, you no more Cybertruck. Yeah, Dave, we, you're on you're on team. It's we garbage. Weren't, we weren't feeling – I think there is there are a bunch of people who will get a lot of utility out of it. So it's not like I think like it's not good for anyone or anything, but like it definitely doesn't meet any of my needs. Certainly, as somebody who lives in a city right now, it's not. Yeah, it uh, doesn't meet any of my needs. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to have it. Does this thing have a room for two car seats? No, but it, you know I will still want it. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, that's fair enough. Uh, I, I'm more of a compact car kind of guy, so I'd be Tesla Model Three would be something I'd buy before that. But um, I highly recommend we'll it. We'll see. You can uh, sell your your wife on the Model Y, though, Jeff. That that thing oh, will be great for kids. We yeah. have been fantasizing about the Model Y for sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of things that are excruciating to watch, uh, we need to talk about uh, emails we got in response to uh, what Jeff talked about last week re- regarding PJ masks. Uh, this, yes. The, this is week before last, actually. Yeah, yes. week before last. So that's right, because you weren't here last week. Um I have an email from Jordan the Chenthusiast I can read about this, Jeff, if that's okay with you. Or is there Sure, I had one from Sean that I liked, but you go, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, let me let me read Jordan, you read John's. We'll, we'll, we'll both dive okay. in. Um so J- Jordan the Chenthusiast writes. Uh, I don't usually think about writing in, but you're, I couldn't You're adopting that full full bore we're going with Chenthusiast? Chen Jordan, were... Jordan the Chenthusiast, that's right, yeah. There, there are there were many uh, during the last couple of weeks. I've heard many alternative uh options for all three of us, in uh-huh, fact. Uh-huh. Any favorites, Jeff? Any uh, anyone's come stick stick to your mind? Oh man, D- D- do you remember any? There were some awesome ones for you. Um, <laughs> I can't. Re- I there were so many good ones, and I can't remember what they are now. Anyway, they must have been really good. Must yeah. be really good, Jeff. Enthusiast is what we're going with. Anyway, okay. uh, Jordan writes from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I don't usually think about writing in, but I couldn't help but respond to Jeff's take on the show PJ Masks. I myself and the parent of a three-year-old son have been subject to a dozen of kids' TV shows. Jeff's main critique was that the essential premise of PJ Masks was a derivative of an already existing Marvel DC stories and felt watered down or borrowed. Truth is, the same can be said for much of modern kids' television. Popular shows like Paw Patrol and Top Wing are both conceptually similar to any Marvel team-up stories, i.e. a group of heroes hanging out in their high-tech headquarters until summoned by acts of villainy. Avengers or Justice League, anyone? There's also shows like Super Wings, Blaze, and the Monster Machines, and Tayo the Little Bus that are all of a similar premise. The protagonists are vehicles with faces, and that often feels like elements from Transformers or Pixar's car were used. In addition to the heavily inspired programming, let's not forget multiple reboots or continuations of already existing uh, film and TV properties. Garfield, Boss Baby, Lego, Trolls, Dr. Seuss, the list goes on. Scroll through Netflix, and you'll find that many of these newer programs have multiple seasons each. Anyway, Jordan goes on, but he's basically saying, Jeff, get over it. Tons of stuff is derivative. That's basically all kids' television. What do you think about Jordan's email? Well, to be fair, I got a lot of feedback that was Jeff, get over it. So, you know... (laughs) I understand. But you're but used also, to that. You're used to that. So. Yeah, I'm used to that. That's yeah. <laughs> kind of a bulk of my responses <laughs> that I get. Um, 
but to be fair, I think he kind of misses the point of what I was saying. Yes, I was saying it was derivative, but I was saying it's derivative <laughs> and also doesn't have any internal logic that uh-huh. seems to make any sense. And I, I would point out, I haven't watched all of the references that he cites. I have watched Super Wings, which is one of the ones he referenced. Super Wings is a show about anthropomorphized trucks and planes and cars of all kinds. And that show has an internal logic. They have a headquarters where they get mail and that mail has to go all around the world. So they super wings their way around the world and deliver the mail. And then they meet a kid in another country and they learn about that country while they're there and invariably help the kid out of some predicament that the kid has gotten himself in or herself into. There's an internal logic to that. Yes, you have to grant the fact that there are anthropomorphized cars and planes, but once you do that, we're, you're good to go. The, the show maintains an internal logic. That's all I'm asking for. PJ Masks, while I'll acknowledge yet again, is not bad. It's very watchable, actually pretty well made, uh, much worse kids programming. I just don't. I want to understand the internal logic. Uh, in fact, one of the things I didn't bring up a couple weeks ago when we talked about it is one of the biggest problems I have. Is the title supposed to be a play on TJ Maxx? <laughs> TJ, TJ Maxx, the clothing store? It's, yeah. You got you to get those it, kids in there. Yeah. It's like, is, is that really Jeff, the this, reference? This program has completely warped your entire way of thinking. <laughs> Is what's happening. There's right? no other reason for uh, it's called PJ Masks for a reason, right? It's that it's not it, well, aren't it's supposed the PJs to PJs uh, their masks. Basically? Yeah, but that's not a phrase that makes any sense, right? It's <laughs> it's a it's going to great length to make that particular structure in the title, right? It is trying really hard to so, go to do something. <laughs> PJ Masks. The show has broken you completely, yeah. Jeff. That's All right, I'm going to read. Uh, I'm going to read the email from Sean at the yeah. risk of totally beating this dead horse. Um, Sean makes some good points. Uh, Sean says, "I love the show. Been listening for years. I particularly enjoy Jeff's view of shows and films as a parent, as I have a 2.5 year old. It seems my son enjoys the same things as Jeff's child, from Cat in the Hat to Toy Story 4 to PJ Masks." I tend to view things the same way as Jeff and appreciate his criticisms. I'd like to add to his PJ Masks critique that I think the implied nature of the show is that all the adventures are dreams, which I think allows for all the shenanigans and unexplained tech suits and villains. This could be the same criticism in there about, uh, there could be some criticism in there about adult view of superheroes, but I doubt it. Yes, it's very derivative. It's target seems to be toddlers Yada, yada, yada. So he goes on to say that, you know, his kid loved the show and went as Catboy for Halloween. What, but what about that idea? That it's, it, it's all a dream. Yes, they only have powers at night. Is it all a dream? Is that, because the show makes no reference to it all being a dream. And the other weird thing is that they always find a problem in the daytime. And then they go, PJ Masks uh, saves the day. When night comes out, we find our way or something like that. I can't remember. But and then they put their fists together and we see a, a really cool top down shot of their three fists coming in. By the way, wonder where they got that from. Uh, <laughs> and anyway, top down, three fists coming together and then it goes and then it goes 
at night, Catboy becomes. But the that happens is literally like eight hours of daytime that they still have to go through, right? So they found a problem that they're going to deal with. Like, oh, no, the museum, they stole the pterodactyl bones from the museum. And then they're like, we got to fix this problem in seven hours when the sun goes down, I guess. They just wait around, but the show just like makes it seem like in that moment they go, yay, let's do it. But the, what happens is they put their fists together and then they pull their fists back and then they go about their day for seven hours until the night comes because they can't do anything until night comes, which points to Sean's premise that they're all dreams, which may be what it is. It's just a bunch of kids dreaming about being superheroes. Kind of interesting. An interesting take. From Sean. Thank you, Sean. I think I just had a, like five seconds. I think I just had a dream that we weren't talking about this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just nodded off and had a micro dream. No, I'm just joking, Jeff. A lot of people did enjoy it, including myself. Um, but uh, your kind of kids' corner, and I look forward to many more uh, Jeff assessments of children's television in the months going forward. But Jeff, let's said, talk. Let's talk about something that sorry. does have in- internal logic. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I was just going to say. <laughs> uh, sorry to interrupt you, Dave. I was just going to say that. Uh, you know, I, I've said some very controversial things about Star Wars, about uh, Marvel movies, about DC movies. I've never gotten more email than when I talk about kids programming. Mm, yeah. So, there you go. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Make that uh, awesome. Honestly, there, there is a huge hole out there for that. I think, uh, Jeff, there is a demand for you just to do a kids show review thing. And that'll be your life from now on. Yeah. Congrats. I mean, yeah. who's to say that's not what the Slash Filmcast will become? Um, <laughs> but uh, speaking of things that do have internal logic, let's thank our first sponsor, Jeff. Yes. Our first sponsor is Hunt a Killer. Talk about logic. It's all about logic. You know that um, if you know anything about me, you know I love tabletop games. I love board games. I love puzzles. I love the idea of sitting around a table and doing something fun with family and friends. And that's what Hunt a Killer is. Hunt a Killer is like participating in a procedural TV show. If you like shows where you're, if you like the movie we're talking about this week, uh, Knives Out, which is basically a whodunit, uh, trying to figure out who who's the killer, putting the clues together following the trail, piecing the puzzle together. That's what Hunt a Killer lets you do. It's a subscription game that gets you off your phone and puts you and your friends and family into an ongoing murder mystery investigation. And that's the coolest part. It's ongoing. It's a subscription. So you get the next segment of the story every month in a box. You open it up. You got cool physical things. You got clues to put together. You got the next stage of the story. You're trying to figure out who this killer is is it gets you talking and having fun together. Everybody loves it. it they have over 100,000 members in their online community and 2,000 five-star reviews on Trustpilot. My wife and I have been really digging this experience of figuring it out, putting the clues together, and uh, and learning the next step of this cool story that they're telling over the course of multiple episodes, just like a TV show. It's nothing quite like Hunt a Killer. Most things are you know finite. This is ongoing. It's really, really cool. So right now, just for our listeners, you can go to huntakiller.com and use promo code FILMCAST for 20% off your first box. And they have even have gift cards for your holiday shopping. Not to mention, they're throwing in exclusive bundles for the holiday season. So make sure you use promo code FILMCAST, that's F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T, at huntakiller.com for the 20% discount. And to show your support for the show, huntakiller.com, promo code 
film cast. All right. Uh, let's get to what we've been watching this week. Uh, this week, I want to talk about a few things I've been watching. I saw a documentary called Honeyland. Have any of you heard of this documentary? Honeyland. Anyone? Only yeah. because you tweeted about it. All right. Well, thank <laughs> Jeff, th that's very encouraging. It means you're reading my tweets um, on occasion. But uh, Honeyland is a documentary uh, that takes place in the mountains of Macedonia, and it's about a, uh, a beekeeper uh named um her, her name is is a, a little Haditse Haditse I think it, it's is how you pronounce it so I had heard this is one of the best films of the year and let me just start by saying it's on video on demand right now it is one of the best films of the year in my opinion it's going to be my top 10 it's extremely good it is not only a riveting story but it has resonance with the issues that are facing our world today um specifically around environmental collapse and around um, how we can take from the earth without depleting the earth. Like it's, it's very, uh, beautifully shot. It's just, there's a lot to recommend it, but I, you know, as, as, uh, I subscribe to the unsullied lifestyle, I knew extremely little about the film before I started watching it. And, uh, I, you know, my, my wife, as you all know, likes things that are peppy and cheap. And so I was thinking, Hey, this documentary about this beekeeper, this has got to be, <laughs> A, a blast you know this has got to be yeah. like nothing bad is happening to me nothing right possibly <laughs> bad could happen during the course of this movie nothing possibly bad well the problem is that um early on in the film you're what what essentially is drives like the kind of main plot of the film is that like there's this woman and she's like haditsi and she's really great at being a beekeeper you know she's exceptionally good you watch her do it she's ridiculously good at it it's it's actually beautiful to see her do it because it's so it's it's, it's this amazing interaction between uh, humankind and nature that like you rarely see uh, documented like this. And so to to watch her do it, it's like watching I don't know um, somebody uh, put on a really great performance on screen. Somebody it's like watching someone conduct a symphony or play a concerto really well. You know, it's like oh, it's like, like watching a a wasp keeper. <laughs> Uh, something like that. Do wasps make honey? I don't think so. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, it's it's very you know <laughs> it's very uh, almost moving to see her do her work. And then what happens immediately is a a family of vagrants uh, moves in next door, and they're like, "Hey, we should try the beekeeping thing too." And not only do they, let's say, not do a great job of it, and like kind of like mess with her deal. But also there's, I think they have like five kids, including a baby. And these children are just feral. They're just like running. Th picture like the Florida Project, but like they have even less supervision than that. And they're oh, in like a dangerous environment, you know, because um, they're, they're basically out in the middle of like the desert, right? It's in like this village that has population them. It's just a village Population seven people, you know, like that's the whole thing. Where is this movie set, by the way? Um, in the mountains of Macedonia. Um, okay. Uh, which I think is in Turkey, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so um, no, I think it's just Macedonia is just a country in southeastern Europe, formerly known as the Republic of Macedonia. So uh, okay. anyway, it's it's, it's uh, just above Greece, let's say, and. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, so, did you ever see that movie Under the Skin? Jonathan Glazer movie. Oh, yeah. Right? Yes. Loved it. Jeff, did you see Jonathan Glazer's Under the Skin? 
I don't believe so. It is one of the best films of the decade. Uh, and it, 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 incredible, bold, original work that is not only really well made, it has something to say. Very much like Honeyland. And there is a scene in Under the Skin where oh a baby, yeah. a baby yep. gets left on a beach. Like, just crying and just gets left on a beach to, like, fend for itself. A baby. Like, can't even stand up. Um, and this baby's just crying, it's crying, it's crying, and, like, this a character leaves it on the beach. And it is one of the most upsetting things I've seen in a film. And yeah. uh, this movie, Honeyland, is, like, 90 minutes of that scene. In the Ooh. sense that it's like you, just you're a baby oh. covered in bees. Yeah. <laughs> you're seeing, you're at least seeing gonna... freaking these bees everywhere, guys. It's bees. <laughs> you're at least get like a cool baby bee beard. Um, no, it's it, it's not that bad. But like, can you imagine like freaking raising bees next to your baby? You know, like no. it, yeah. it yeah. just anyway. Like, what if the, what if he's allergic? <laughs> you know, like it just and well, that's I think just like probably find out pretty quick. Yeah, that's just one of many atrocities that happens during like it's just really upsetting to see this like, and the level. documentary filmmakers are like hey well, nothing we can do let's just point the camera well i've read interviews with the filmmakers and they, they say actually like when you make a film like this you need to i think the way they put it you know is that you need to choose between uh being a filmmaker and being a person you know is what they said that doesn't seem like a good choice to make. <laughs> but I don't know. Like, I mean, at the same time, so you know, wait, what, what they, did they choose? They just chose. Yeah, they chose to let things. Ha- they chose to let things happen. Yeah, like they. they uh, I read later, like they they would try to help. Like one of the characters in the movie is quite infirm, and they would like bring that character medicine, and you don't see that on camera or anything. But like they, they let the interactions uh, and the. Uh, child rearing or lack thereof kind of play out on, on its own. Oh boy. Um, and you know, it's just a fascinating glimpse of, of life. That, Thanks like, Dave. I will never watch this movie. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. If, you're welcome. if you are ever in a position where you're like, I have to choose between my profession and being a person, it's time to rethink things. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think that's fair, Jeff. Um, but I would also say that, I think in making the film the way they did, they are highlighting kind of this way of life, um, the plight of some of these people, the, the predicament that many of them find themselves in, uh, and they're doing so in a really powerful and effective way that's bringing potentially more attention to it, uh, and therefore, perhaps in the long term, potentially more good than if they mm-hmm. had just like tried to interfere and solve things on their own. So You're saying you can't make a movie omelet without breaking some babies. Babies, eh? yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, um, or at least you a little make cho- like a honey movie without yeah the the little the I mean yeah there's little children very very little children that get like injured on screen in this movie and it's like really really heartbreaking to watch. Uh, so all that said, it's an incredible film, <laughs> and I would recommend it to anyone. Um, so the movie yeah is no I'm with like- Devendra. I'm with Devendra on the I will never be watching this train. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's fine. The movie is Honeyland, and it's available right now on video on demand. It's a great film. How did your wife like her her the the cheap and breezy? Uh, I, I selection? mean, she was she was literally upset the entire rest of the night. Um, she's like, <laughs> yeah. I need like ten hours to recover from this, and she was not exaggerating. So, so yeah, that's uh, a sterling endorsement. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's honey life. That's honey life. <laughs> another another fine example of the unsullied lifestyle, by the way. Perfection. <laughs> Nailed it again. Nailed it again. Um, 
Okay. Uh, also watched a bunch of stuff on Netflix. Uh, one of the things I had a chance to watch is Dolomite Is My Name, which is a movie that Devinder Hardwar recommended a few weeks ago. And I have to say, I thought this movie was delightful. It is a tribute to uh, the filmmaking process, the magic of movies, and uh, the value of never giving up no matter how many times people say no to you. And I will just say that, like, We've had some ups and downs uh, doing this podcast over the course of the last, I don't know, what is it, 11 years now? And um, there's been many times when, like, people have said no to us, you know, or said no to me. I've invited people to be um, guests on the show. They said no. Or um, I have, like, tried to make it on some kind of, like, top ranking of, like, best podcast, best movie, but whatever. Um, sometimes we've made it and sometimes we haven't made it. And, like, what's true of the main character in this movie, Dolomite is my name, is that he was told no at many, many turns in his life and he never gave up. He's just like, you know what? If, uh, if they're, like, you know, it's not even like if God closes a door, he opens a window. First of all, like, that saying is terrible because it just means like God's <laughs> taking away options, right? Like it's just like he doesn't close the door without opening window. Okay, but you're still Why in a you worse so cruel, off, you're still fundamentally yeah. in a worse off situation than before the door was closed. But I, it's kind of like, hey, I'm gonna like if somebody closes the door, he's going to like tunnel through the ground and like find another way to the destination. You know, like that's kind of the philosophy of the main character, uh, Rudy Ray Moore, played by Eddie Murphy in this movie. And it's a, you know, like podcasting, for many people who podcast, who do it like us, which is like, we're recording it off Skype. Um, we uh, started with pretty much nothing in terms of like uh, support from any major publications or uh, or anyone who is like respected. This is prior to site when we got acquired by Slash Film, you know, like... Uh, I found a lot to resonate with in this uh, in this movie. Dolomite is my name because it's just like, in some ways, like podcasting is similar to like what uh, he did in this movie, which is like when like there's so many people to tell you no or so many opportunities you can miss, and you just gotta sometimes you just gotta keep going, and that's sure. what he does in this movie, and uh, and I found that to be inspiring and encouraging and also heartwarming, and so those are my thoughts on Dolomite is my name. Uh, Devendra, I don't know if any of that resonates with you because you've seen the film. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, totally. It's, uh, I mean, I feel like it applies to any creative process. Yeah, podcasting. Certainly, when we were doing it, it was like nobody knew what it was in 2008, basically. Um, aside from like tech nerds, um, so doing it, this movie really proves that there's like a sort of delusion you need to do anything like this that's kind of new and that's kind of like very different than what people are used to. So I think it portrays that really well. And there's going to be like, basically like what I like about it is the idea that there's gatekeepers. Everywhere you go in life is gatekeepers. And what the main character did is he found a way around the gatekeepers. He's like, when the gatekeeper said, no, you can't do this. He's like, you know what? I don't believe you. I don't believe you that I can't do this. And... You know, I like that message. So mm-hmm. uh, that's Dolomite is my name. It's on Netflix right now. Speaking of things on Netflix, have you heard of the movie Marriage Story? Oh, yeah. You know, actually, let me talk about that in a little bit. Let me just say quickly <laughs> before I get to Marriage Story, I'll just mention that I saw The Irishman. And that's a movie we'll review on a future episode of the podcast. I had a chance to see it at the Cinerama. So I saw it like in a the theater. Nice. Uh, and... 
uh, it is a movie that I think deserves to be seen in a theater. You know what I mean? Like, yes, for sure. It's, it's yeah. like there's some movies. It's like okay, for instance, Marriage Story, a movie I just mentioned. Like it, that is also best experience in the theater. But you know what? If you watch it at home, you're still gonna get a great movie. Yeah, a um, small you know drama seems okay at home, even though I'd always prefer theater. But yeah, sure. So have you guys seen The Irishman yet? I have. I saw one of I think one of the last New York screenings. Like uh, I walked in the freezing cold uh, to a theater, basically a half an hour walk away from my house, uh, sat through, you know, three and a half hours of that movie. It was worth it for sure. That's definitely a movie you have to see in theater. I wish more people had the chance to do that. Yeah. I've um, not seen it yet. I, I'm very much looking forward to seeing it. Uh, this week was a, we, the whole family got the flu and then we had to travel to Arizona to go to Thanksgiving. It's been, it's been a wild ride. So I haven't had oh, three and a half hours to sit down watch anything yet. I don't think I will be able to see it in a theater, but the good news is I'll be able to see it with my wife because uh, we can watch it at home together and not we're not able to go see things out of doors together. Mm-hmm. So uh, that'll be good. I saw it uh, as part of a, a friend of mine's birthday celebration. We went to go see it in the theater and uh, it was, you know, a very, like, it's a great film in my opinion. It's It's very good and I definitely recommend people check it out. Um, I would also say it, what was pretty funny was we saw it and then I, I, I met up with that group again later, uh, a week later. And one of the people from that group said he had seen it that night with us and then literally had gone back to see it the next day, which I thought was like, wow, that is commitment yeah. for a three and a half hour film. But, you know, it just goes to show you like how many, how, how strong of, of emotion that, that movie uh, provokes. Also, also hilarious, when we went to go see it the first time, we got there like literally three minutes late. So we missed the opening uh, three minutes of the film. And then my, my friend, when he went to go see it again, he missed the first three minutes again, uh, which is pretty frustrating. But then we, you know, That's when it fine. came out on Netflix, he got to go see it. Um, uh, you got to, uh, we got to finally fill in the blank there with those three minutes. Uh, but I'd recommend it either in the theater or on Netflix, and we'll review it in a future episode of the podcast. One other thing that was that kind of, I think it was Matt Solar Sites, I don't remember who it was that said it on Twitter that I thought was really interesting was like, isn't it weird that a three and a half hour movie people find very daunting, but they will binge like six hours of a series with no problem whatsoever? You know what I mean? Sure. Like, you don't yeah, hear people saying, "Oh my gosh, yeah. I had to binge six hours of it." Like, people usually say, "Like, usually say that with excitement when they're like, oh, I binged like eight hours. I watched Haunting of Hill House in one day.'" You know, like they're usually excited so about that. But when it's like The Irishman's three and a half hours, they're like, "Oh my gosh, I don't have the time." You know, like it's so it's true. So, it's so weird. It's so true. I didn't really think about that, but it's so yeah. true. And it's not like you know. One argument I could imagine people saying is, "Oh, well, you get." A break, you know, you get to, but not with Netflix. You got three yeah, you, seconds. You baby. just go straight. <laughs> no, you can't even watch the credits. You go straight into the. Maybe three it's the seconds impl- you get. You can't even reach your remote to stop it from going in that amount of time. I, I've thought about this a lot, Jeff, and I think that it's the implied break. It's the it's the option yeah. yes. value of break. It's the it's the idea right. that hey, I know if I want to go take a shit in thirty minutes, <laughs> I have the ability to do that without interrupting the story. You know what I mean? You're like, saying it's all about it's all about shitting. Yes, is what you're saying. It's really uh, all about making a sandwich and taking a dump. Well, I've and noticed this with life. with, with life. video games as well. You know, there'll be a game like uh, Death Stranding or something that feels like this big yeah. meal that you have to sit down to, and I'm like, okay, this is a you know a forty to sixty hour experience. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to play it. Ugh, I don't want to. I, you know what? I'll just play. <laughs> 
I can get through a game of Heroes of the Storm in 25 minutes, but I'll play six games of Heroes of the Storm, right? So <laughs> it, it, it is that feeling of yeah. like, oh, well, this will be quick. But then at the end of that, oh, I can do one more. Oh, I can do one more. Yeah. I can do one more. So I totally get that. It's a and, psychological and a sense thing. Of there's a sense of accomplishment too, I think. Like you're actually progressing in a way, whereas like sitting through a very long movie like this, there there's a difference, by the way, between doing the three and a half hour movie in the theater versus at home. Although after Avengers Endgame, I feel like nobody can complain about that anymore. Clearly, you can do it. That's if the you thing. Really want to do it? That's yeah. the thing, right? Yeah. Like Avengers has shown, hey, if you can sit through Avengers Endgame, you can sit through uh, Martin Scorsese's, you know, work of cinema, uh, as it were. So, yep. I have this thing with books too. Like there are certain books that have either really long chapters or no chapters at all. And mm -hmm. I will get so frustrated because I always want to stop at a chapter break. Yeah. But if, yeah. A, if a book has short chapters, I'll probably read more in a sitting because I'm like, oh, well, I can – there's always another chapter coming up. So I can just read a couple more of these. But if there's a super long chapter, I'm like, oh, when is the – when can I stop? I need to be able to get out of here and whenever I want. You need I momentum. Need, I, I, yeah. I need something in between. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, cause if the chapters are too short, I don't feel like I've accomplished anything. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I'm like that. That was so quick. I, I like. I feel like these chapter breaks are just completely arbitrary. You know what I mean? Like, why? <laughs> yeah. Two pages, new chapter. It's like, okay, well, this is anarchy. Well, yeah, this is anarchy. We we Wait. live in a society. There are rules here. You know, <laughs> you got to read less YA, I guess, Dave. I think that's true, Jeff. That's <laughs> true. So it's a harsh call out there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of things that are extremely purposeful, our next sponsor, Today Ticks. Devinder, tell us about Today Ticks. Sure. So I've been trying to figure out how to get tickets to Moulin Rouge in New York City for my wife, and most options are very expensive and hard to get. And then I discovered Today Ticks, and they offer discounted tickets to a lot of major shows in New York and a couple other cities now. Um, I found it to be much cheaper than going directly to the theater's websites or some of those resellers you'll find where people tend to jack up the prices. So you can use today ticks for things like musicals, plays, comedy. Um, and it's great for buying something for yourself. You could buy it as a gift. Um, I gifted it and I wasn't able to join my wife, uh, but she, you know, I sent her the email that uh, had the ticket approval. She went to the concierge in front of the theater and she was able to get right in. So there's also like none of the worries of these scams you may find on Craigslist or other places you find tickets. Like that's always a big deal. And she saw the show and loved it. So I, I really love that. I can't wait to use it again. Uh, maybe to see uh, Death of a Salesman here in New York as well. Um, I think it's a great way to start a new tradition, certainly with family members. I can't wait till my family visits New York and I can take them to see Moulin Rouge or something or Hamilton or some of the very popular shows. I know it's very basic, but that's what people want to see. And I really appreciate that Today Ticks is giving a pretty decent discount compared to some other alternatives out there. So this holiday season, gift an experience your loved ones will remember forever. Steal the show doing it. Go to todayticks.com slash filmcast and use codes FILMCAST to get $10 off your first TodayTix purchase. That's todaytix.com slash FILMCAST, code FILMCAST for $10 off your first ticket purchase. todaytix.com slash FILMCAST. That's slash the word FILMCAST, just so people know. Yes. we are the slash FILMCAST, so it's slash the symbol, the word FILMCAST. Just to be clear. We were poorly titled, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. 
now is the time you're bringing that up. We've been saying yeah, this yeah, yeah. for <laughs> two years. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I also want to mention uh, Marriage Story. Have you guys heard of this movie? This is the new Noah Baumbach film. Sure. That I I think is on Netflix. Like by the time you are listening to this podcast episode, it'll be on Netflix. If I'm not okay. mistaken. I've been waiting for it. I've been uh, dreading this movie after hearing about it. Yeah. But I'm listening to it right oh, now. Oh wait, no. I'm sorry. December sixth. So later this okay. week, it'll be on Netflix. Right. What were you saying, uh, Jeff Canada? Nothing. I made a dumb joke. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, it is uh, a drama starring Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver. Um, I will just say it's not about a marriage story at all. Uh, it's actually about uh, the ending of a marriage. And that is something that is not only the premise of the movie, it's something you find out really in the first five minutes of the movie. So I don't consider it a spoiler. Uh, I'll just say that this movie is very, very good. It is... Uh, uh, really, what you want to watch this movie for is the two powerhouse performances by these leads. Uh, the uh, dialogue and also like the dialogue, which feels very kind of accurate and cutting. But also, this is a movie, strangely, one of the things I, I take away from this movie is that uh, it has a really great set design. And I know that's like a really w- weird observation to give about a movie, but like it's rare that uh, I find a movie has like set design that does a lot of the storytelling work. And I feel mm-hmm. like this movie does that a lot. And I just wanted to give the the set design a shout out. In addition, I feel like that, that's a thing for Bombback movies, right? I think of like Squid and the Whale and a couple of the others. Like they, you yeah. know those spaces and like how these people live. You can tell by the books on the wall and the way their furniture, you know, is designed, how expensive their furniture is, things like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'll I just, love his movies. I can't wait to see this. While We're Young is still yeah, very one of my good. favorite movies. Ugh, it's so good. Yeah, uh, Marriage Story will completely hollow you out. Uh, and we'll probably leave you emotionally devastated. So again, Dave, no thanks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, well, at least I can watch a happy go lucky B movie after that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I would recommend marriage story. It's like so ridiculously good. And it also like straddles a bunch of genres, you know, it's a drama at times it's a comedy, um, it's extremely moving. It's extremely funny. You know, it's, it's a lot of, th- it's like one of his best work, one of his favorite movies of mine. And, um, I think it's, it's just super great. So, uh, you got to be prepared emotionally, but if you are, then I think it's, it's worth checking out. The just movie- answer me this question. Yes. Did, did you watch it with your wife? <laughs> no, I did not. Do you, I would not would you do recommend? such a thing. Mm. <laughs> She's like after after Honeyland. Here, honey, come take a look at this. <laughs> yeah, is it is it the kind of thing that that you would recommend not watching with my wife? I mean, you know, here here's what I'll say about it. Um, uh, I, I read something today um, that really kind of summed it up for me, um, which was Bill G- uh, Ibiri did a uh, list of his. Uh, te- like best movies of the year, his ten best movies of the year. Great, great list. Uh, you know, I don't agree with all of them, but he ranked Marriage Story as number two, and he said, uh, it, it it might be the most human film of the year. Every decision, every word, every emotion feels honest and true to life, but it's also one of the most terrifying. It's sort of a Doctor Strange love for married couples. You watch it and you think, yeah, this is pretty much how it might all go down. Nope. So. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know. So if yeah. um, that's something that interests you, then you should check it out. <laughs> right. Okay. What, what, what are you thinking, Jeff? What's your reaction to that, Jeff? 
Well, there's two ways that that can work, right? My, I mean, this is a weird thing to bring up in the, in the context of this movie, but my wife and I very much enjoyed watching the television show Parenthood Mm. together, uh, in anticipation of being parents because we kept turning to each other and being like, Hey, would you do that? I wouldn't do that. Would you know? <laughs> so there's a a sense in which some of these kinds of things can make you have conversations that you wouldn't have had otherwise. There are other. There's another take that says it just makes you feel terrible, and I don't. It sounds like it's the latter thing. Um, I, I don't know about that. I guess it's staring the abyss in the face and then looking yeah. over at your loved one and going. Oh, you are that abyss. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ki- kind of. You know, it's. It, I guess yeah. um, the perfect chaser to uh, to midsummer, basically. Yeah. Well, it's like it's kind of like. I, I I guess if your marriage is really good, it's like, hey, well, at least we're not going to be these people. You know what I mean? And I I will say also that this is very this is pretty perverse what I'm about to say, but oh boy. I will say that. If your marriage is on the rocks, uh, first of all, I would never recommend watching this with your spouse. Like, so just like that is right out. So I'm going to put that out there. But I will say, like, um, if your marriage is, is like, this is actually a good depiction of what a pretty rough divorce is like. And therefore, like, if you want to not have that, uh, it's, it's like potentially you could absorb pointers. Of how to avoid such a thing. This is like scared straight for divorces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be pretty vague about like what happens in the movie, you know, but I'll say that like, yeah. <laughs> basically after I saw the movie, I'm like, you know, I never want to get divorced, but if I do, I'm definitely not doing that. You know, like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm definitely not yeah. doing X thing that happened in the movie. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So Take take that for what you will. So, the movie's All marriage right. story. It's on Netflix, <laughs> December six. It's been your hard war. What are you watching this week? Wow. <laughs> Speaking of another show about a couple, I guess on the rocks. I've seen <laughs> Servant, the M Night Shyamalan produced uh, Apple TV Plus show. It is about a uh, a pair of young professionals who um, have lost their infant child and they enlist a nanny, a very creepy nanny to take care of a real doll. That's basically posing as the infant. Like it's a, (laughs) it's a life infant doll because the mother had like a psychological break Mm. and she needs this thing to stay sane. Mm -hmm. So this show is a lot. I will say uh, it's a uh, Shyamalan directed the pilot. It's created by uh, Tony Basgallop, who did uh, he did the show called Hotel Babylon, a, a British show like a decade ago. So my wife was really into that. Really weird for him to go from that to this. Um, but I I'm really digging it like <laughs> and I'm watching this with my wife as our baby is sleeping uh, in the you know, in the bedroom. It is a very, very creepy thing for parents to watch. Um I think the pilot is really well done. It's uh, this is Shyamalan like using his ability to create suspense through just like characters staring and speaking directly to the camera. 
very very like lingering shots uh sweeping camera movements uh it's set in this townhouse in philadelphia and you really get a sense of the space and how just like creepy and weird it is um there's and a lot M. of body Night horror going... set in a townhouse in yeah. philadelphia yeah yeah imagine that um there i'm just really digging it like i miss his like uh the vibe of his like sixth sense stuff um it is very deliberate like that he didn't direct everything but it feels like his pilot kind of set the tone for the entire show uh i think it's really well written because it is i'm not going to say what happens but something very freaky happens uh very soon in this show that really makes you question the nature of reality in this world and how, how like this couple is perceiving reality. Um, it is something I'm really into the mystery of the show. So my wife and I have seen the first three episodes. I guess they're going to be coming weekly at this point. That's how Apple TV is doing it. Um, it is definitely one of the more interesting Apple TV plus shows I've seen. So I'd highly recommend it. If you're into the weird Shyamalan suspense stuff, uh, if you're very squeamish about bad things happening to babies, uh, maybe hold off for a bit. So between the you know children getting injured in Honeyland to the uh, uh-huh. marriage dissolving in Marriage Story to horrible things happening to infants and servant this week, yeah, uh, our show is basically a warning label. That's what our show is this week. <laughs> Definitely also, a full suite of good. Yeah, yeah. If you're yeah. not, uh, you know, squeamish about bad things happening to babies, um, maybe get some help because <laughs> I think you should be. I think everybody should be. It's more like certainly this is one of those things, right? Uh, I feel like if you're a parent and certainly if you're a new parent, you feel this very acutely, the sort of like connection to the child and the sort of like the way the entire world is kind of constructed to hurt your child. It is it is a weird sense of being. It's just like basically always being on edge, always being anxious about something happening to your baby. Uh, This show escalates that completely. You know, speaking of uh, children in terrible situations. So, first of all, uh, the the show is Servant that you're watching. It's on Apple TV Plus. Uh-huh. Uh, I, how many? It's one episode out right now, right? It's three episodes up right oh, now. Oh, three episodes out, and I think new episodes every Friday. Is that right? I think or, so. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, I I will say like the, I actually want to check this out based on your description of it. So it's really I think at least watch the pilot because I think the pilot is a really good uh, encapsulation of Shyamalan uh, suspense. This and I think it ends in a way. Where you were like, oh, I gotta see where this goes. I love <laughs> yeah. the things that that pique your interest, Dave. <laughs> yep. Oh, oh, it, it'll make me uh, uncomfortable on a fundamental level. <laughs> I, I, I gotta tune into that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, like the idea of, of uh, this somebody having like a real doll kid because they have a like. It's just like wow. Like such a Dave Chen story. <laughs> so like, do, will it make me? feel weird for the rest of the day oh i gotta watch that it will it certainly will well this is the first thing so apple tv plus has this thing where you're like uh if you've purchased an uh an apple device recently you get get a whole year of apple tv plus for free right yeah and i have like held off on activating that thing because i'm like i have to wait to activate this until there's something i really like want to (laughs) watch and then i can then i can have like a year from that point forward you know what i'm saying yeah. And uh, I think this is going to tip me over, Divindra. I think this is it's, it. This uh, is it's worth be... it. Well, this and uh, Dickinson is also a lot of fun. Hmm. All right. Well, between those two things, that'll be that. Uh, so anyway, the show is serving. I, I had a whole... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Okay, so I had this whole other thing I watched this week that I forgot to mention, 
which is uh, I had a chance to see Brightburn this week. Have you guys heard of that movie Brightburn? Yeah. This is the. Did you, did you get the 99 cent uh, iTunes deal? I got the 99 cent iTunes rental for Brightburn. <laughs> and it's basically what if Superman, but he's evil, right? Mm. That's the whole movie. So basically, so if today, yeah. if you find, uh, you know, Avengers Endgame and Spider Man Far From Home and all that stuff, too hopeful. It's too hopeful. It's too cheerful. It's too quippy. It's too glib. Uh, you want something that's way more bleak, uh, way more unsettling in that set in the superhero universe, then uh, that's Brightburn. That's basically what I have to say about it. Now, Jeff, my, like when I tweeted about this, I got some responses that there's there's basically some comic books that are like this, right? There's some comic oh, yeah. books that are that that imagine this, basically, right? Oh yeah, a bunch of them. Do you enjoy them. those comic books? Well, there are a lot uh, uh, across the board of that. Um, I'm a big fan of J. Michael Straczynski's uh, Supreme, which is basically all of the Justice League and their questionable motives. I think Mark Millar. Miller did a, uh, is it called Nemesis? No, the yeah, one? yeah, something like uh, that. The one that's like about the Batman Joker thing. No, there's one he did one that is, that is basically what if Superman but evil. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's just brutal. And I think I think there's a couple of Garth Ennis. There's also one called Irre- Irredeemable. Is what was brought up to me. Irredeemable by Mark Wade. Yeah. Oh, Irredeemable. Yeah. Yes, irredeemable. Very good. Very good. Uh, yes, that that is a companion book with uh, some invincible and irre- no. Uh, yeah, irredeemable is quite good. Also, the boys is basically yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Jeff, before we get the correction, Nemesis is what if Batman was the Joker? I remember that. Oh, premise. right, right, right. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. I wrote it up for SlashFilm.com ten years ago. I think when they were trying to make a TV series. That's how I remember it. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so there, this is not a new idea, certainly, right. but it, is Brightburn does it well? Uh, it does it okay. You know, like, it, I, I guess, I, I um, so basically this kid, like, gets superpowers, and he likes, like, fucking with people before he kills them, you know what I mean? So he's yeah. kind of like an asshole monster character, like, you know, in a horror film. And, you know, one of the people early on that he kind of, has marked for death gets like this piece of glass stuck in her eye and there's like a close up on it. And I'm just like, you know what? I think I'm done. <laughs> I think, I think I don't need to watch the rest of this movie. I mean, I, I actually skip to the end. Throw a baby into some bees. <laughs> I'm, I'm down. But... <laughs> throw a baby into some bees and make it a real true life story. And yeah. I'm game. But like, you know, fake glass stuck in actor's eye. Uh, no, 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 thank you. Everybody's got to have a line, Dave. That's right. That's yours. <laughs> That's right. I, I I thought it was fine. I thought it's it just it's just not a headspace I care to inhabit, Jeff. Okay, all right. Fair enough. That's Fair all enough, I'm saying. Man. That's all I'm saying. Hey, you, you don't have to talk to me about eye stuff. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. All right. Well, anyway, that's uh, servant. That's what Davinja's been watching this week. I will say, I we're we're talking about our next sponsor now. Uh, I'm not a person that has ever in my life had a balance on my credit card. I pay it off every month. And I would highly, highly encourage people to do that. If you are running a balance, you probably recognize what an insane APR your credit card is giving you. There are credit card interest rates 
15, 20% APRs. That's insane. Why would you want to pay 20% more for everything you bought on your credit card? It's crazy to me. Well, we have a sponsor called Lightstream that offers a way to deal with that. You can refinance your credit card balances and get a much lower rate. You can save with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream and you can get a rate with good credit. You can get a rate as low as 5.95% APR with auto pay. So that's a much lower rate than what you're probably getting on your credit card. And it's a way for you to get out from under all that debt. Uh, and just for the listeners of Slash Filmcast, if you apply now, you can get an additional interest rate discount. And the only way to get that discount is to go to lightstream.com slash filmcast. That's lightstream.com slash filmcast for an additional discount. L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash filmcast. It's subject to credit approval. Rate includes a 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash filmcast for more information. We also want to thank our donors uh, for the podcast this week. Thanks to Scott Lombardi, who made a big donation this week. And he writes, thank you for being my favorite podcast for as long as I can remember. And to my wife, Caitlin, for putting up with you, or as she calls you, my imaginary friends. Uh, I think that's <laughs> awesome. the first time we've been described as imaginary friends. <laughs> that I, I, I kind of, like, imaginary sure. kind of implies that we are not real people. But I think she just, just not means, real to him. I think just, yeah. she just means like we're not really his friends, you know, like we're <laughs> that his friendship with us is imaginary. And it's not, we have, we don't have we don't have anything against you, Scott. We just don't even know who you are, other than that you are an extremely <laughs> generous donate donator to the podcast. So, and you know what? Because you donated, you're my real life friend. <laughs> yeah. So tell yeah. tell Take Caitlin, that up, Brian. Tell Caitlin, uh, you are now our real life friends, Scott Lombardi. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks also to new subscriber Justin Evans for his uh, monthly recurring donation. If you want to donate to the Slash Filmcast, help us defray the cost of doing the show, go to paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash the word filmcast. Uh, and we never want you to donate if it in any way causes you hardship, but if you do have some extra cash, we'd really appreciate it. And if you want to support us for free, it's super easy. Just go to Apple Podcasts. Leave a review for the Slash Filmcast or a star rating. It just takes a few seconds, and it does really help. Thanks a lot to all of our donors. Let's get to our review of Knives Out. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to request that you all stay until the investigation is completed. What? Can we ask why? Has something changed? No. No, it hasn't changed, or no, we can't ask. I'm gonna live till I die. You think one of his family walls, walls. killed? Is that what you're suggesting? You all love twisting the knife into one another. Up your ass. Oh, very nice. Matter of fact, eat shit. How's that? Eat shit. Eat shit. Eat shit. Smug smile. Definitely eat shit. You know something. Spill it. I suspect foul play. I have eliminated no suspects.
That was from the trailer for Knives Out, the newest film written and directed by Ryan Johnson. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. A detective investigates the death of a patriarch of an eccentric, combative family. So, Ryan Johnson, uh, really bold original filmmaker. He's been a guest on the Slash Filmcast for every every film he's made since Brothers Bloom. uh, And has a unique career. Going from Brick, Brothers Bloom, Looper to The Last Jedi, and then now to a uh, smaller film, A Who Done It, which is of a kind that we don't usually see in theaters very often this anymore. Devinder Hardware, curious uh, about uh, what you thought of Knives Out. You know, in short, uh, it may be the, my favorite movie I've seen in theaters this year. Whoa. I completely adore this movie. He. I don't know if it's just the way Ryan Johnson writes, like his dialogue is always so like, you know, it is whip smart. I love his characters. I love how like artfully constructed this entire movie is, because when you're doing something like this, when you're making a whodunit, all the little pieces really have to fit together. Um, Like reveals later on kind of have to click into things you've seen earlier and also like for something like this i'm thinking of movies like clue as well and like you know the the agatha christie type mysteries like you want these characters if you're going to be juggling like a ton of characters you want them all to be interesting and distinct in different ways and i think they all are but what i really love too is that this movie is just like it is it is sort of like uh, ryan johnson's uh take on something like parasite it is such a perfect reflection of class inequality like it is making some bold statements and I think it may be handling some things bluntly. I've seen some criticism about that, but I, I cannot uh, be any more happy that he is swinging for the fences with these types of big ideas in a big mystery like this. And we'll certainly get to those in spoilers. But yeah, I, I loved this movie. I could spend hours more. I was sitting at the Brooklyn Academy of Music, uh, which is a quick ride here from my house. And they have some of the worst theater seats in the city. Uh, but I love it because I'm a member and I get really cheap tickets. Um, I would have gladly sat in those cramped seats in an auditorium where it's like it's like 300 seats and there's no middle aisle. So when you're sitting in the middle, you just can't escape and use the bathroom. I would have sat there for many, many more hours just to live in this world, just to see these characters, just to hear Daniel Craig's like various uh, whatever is on his mind. Like he fully embodies this great like Southern fried detective character. I love everything about it. Um, I cannot wait to watch this movie again. All right. Devendra, a big fan of Knives Out. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts? Well, Dave, I guess my thoughts about Knives Out can best be summed up in the form of a limerick. With suspects acting suspicious and a plot that is truly ambitious, each scene is a morsel to be savored. So, of course, I'll be the one to call this movie delicious. <laughs> yes. Of course. Delicious. Of course, Jeff. Of course. Nicely yeah. done. Of course. Of course. Done. Yeah. Nicely done. You know that thing where you're eating something and and then you like each uh-huh. one of your fingers, you go like. <laughs> yeah. like you got to get every little bit off the end of your fingers because it's so good. You like like there's like a you get like a sponge cake or something and there's just like yeah. a little bit left on your finger and you're just like oh, I gotta get I gotta get you, you start know. licking the plate and yes. like yeah yeah it gets embarrassing yeah that's the experience of this movie for me. I am right there with you Devendra. 
it is, if not the best movie I've, or my favorite movie of the year, it's going to be jostling for that position. Uh, I, first of all, love this genre. I love this genre when it's done well. I love movies like Sleuth. Clue is one of my favorite films of all time. I love a finely crafted, twisty, turny, fun, funny murder mystery. I love them. I'm I'm such a fan of when these are done well. A parlor mystery, you know, where it's like we're all in a room. Somebody did it. Who it? Who is it? Everybody's got a motive, you know. I love that just as a genre. And clearly, Ryan Johnson loves it as a genre, too, because this movie is a love letter to that genre. But it completely throws things on its head. We'll get to how in, in spoilers. But there, there is so much fun. I just lived on every word of this movie. I just hung on trying to th- see how, where it was taking me and all the little nuggets of clues and dropped hints and is this movie did i is that did that just happen okay no 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 there's no way that that actually happened wait the movie is definitely telling me that happened (laughs) what's i mean that it is such a fun ride to go on the actors are clearly having a great time in this movie as well they get to do some really fun things tony collette in particular is just having a ball, you know, kind of skewering Gwyneth Paltrow a bit. Um, but all the, all the actors, all the characters are so broadly drawn, but specific and so, uh, so fun. They're just, everybody's chewing scenery. The movie itself is chewing dialogue and, and it indulges in flourishes that are just there to have a great time. It's funny. It's interesting, but, as Devendra kind of referenced as well, the best thing about this movie, the thing that put it over the top from being just a fun experience and just a really satisfying mystery into something truly special and best of the year caliber for me is that it's also about something. It's a movie that says your ideology isn't what makes you a good person, that there are people on both sides of the ideological spectrum that are shitty. What makes you a good person is being a good person. And that seems to me what this movie is about. It's show, it's saying, "Hey, it's it's so interesting like coming out of the last Jedi when this filmmaker was sort of at the heart of all of this nonsense that we live through as a culture now <laughs> to to have him say like, "Hey, the most important thing is not where you stand on any of these positions." It's just be good, be decent, be a decent person. And this movie is full-throated in that. It, it made me tear up because of that message. And I adore it. I adore the fact that this movie, even for all its tongue-in-cheek and wink and nod and fun playfulness that it has, it also wears its heart on its sleeve and is earnest and beautiful. And I... I cannot recommend this movie higher. I just I just don't understand anybody that couldn't have an absolute blast with this movie because it's so much fun. Well, I'll say I, I quite enjoyed the film as well. And I agree. It's it's just it's just great to see a movie that is kind of not like what we normally see in theaters. It's not based on a pre-existing property. It's not sure. a superhero film, right? It's like, hey, it's it's a self-contained mystery. There's probably not gonna be a sequel to it. 
It's just a bunch of really well-respected actors. Hey, now, do do not curse the sequel to this movie because I I want to see more Benoit Blanc. You want to see the adventures Mysteries. of Benoit Blanc? I mean, maybe maybe teaming up with uh, Mr. Joe Bang from uh, what was that movie? The 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 Soderbergh one. Like that is imagine those two. Imagine them being a like lost brothers uh, at birth or something. Oh man. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, so. J- just so you know, like my my wife is. One of the biggest fans of Agatha Christie I know. For <laughs> I think it was Christmas. I don't remember. For one like you know uh, big gift occasion, I purchased a. I think it was a. Uh, how many? I think it was like fifty-five discs uh, of <laughs> of uh, Hercule Poirot uh, DVD set, which is like uh, Ag- Agatha Christie's greatest. Detective. I got her the the definitive, uh, the complete cases collection, which uh, contains twenty five years and thirty three discs worth of mysteries. And I met. I used Handbrake to manually rip every single one so that they could be stored <laughs> wow. on uh, on like you know her her iOS devices and such, so she could watch them like on tr- on train trips and such. And so she's like enormous. She literally screamed. When I told her that we we were going to go see this movie, because um, I surprised her with us going to see it, and so her opinion of it was like kind of my acid test for how good it was, and she she really are you enjoyed sure it. that are you sure that she didn't just scream because you weren't going to see some horrible B movie? <laughs> I mean, I can't. You keep saying B movie when you say B movie, Jeff. You mean B E E movie, correct? <laughs> of course. What other what other yeah. what other well, connotations? Also, it would be Jerry Seinfeld. B movie. Yeah, apparently. or it could be Jerry Seinfeld's B movie, Jeff. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, in any case, sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. Uh, but I think probably like the <laughs> the greatest piece of like the thing that kind of tickles me when I think of this movie is uh, the fact that the main character or the, one, the the main detective character, his name is Benoit Blanc. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, he's kind of like a French person, like Hercule Poirot, who is also the world's greatest detective. Uh, but he has a like Cajun Southern accent in this movie, uh, which means sure. he's from the South, which is just like a, a delightful kind of reversal of that. Well, no, no. If, he, if he's from if he's from like Louisiana or yeah, something, no, it's, like, conce- yeah, it's conceivable that it's conceivable yeah. that his name would be Benoit Blanc. I'm not saying like it's completely yes. out of nowhere, but it's just funny <laughs> that, <laughs> sir, yes. sir, have you forgotten about Remy LeBeau? Come on, <laughs> you're right in that there is definitely nothing ridiculous about Benoit Blanc. <laughs> but it's just funny that uh, you know that like it's clearly like built up to be this big character. He has a French name, but like you, you, I think you might expect him to have a French accent, and he's played by Daniel Craig, an English person. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's like that. That part of the movie, I think, is just uh, endlessly delightful. And he also, I, I think, it's Southern Daniel Craig. Southern Daniel Craig. There is a certain charm to it that I really enjoy. What's yeah. fascinating about it too is it's a different Southern Daniel Craig that was in Logan Lucky. Yes. Like, right. That was a very distinctly yes. different... I mean, the guy knows how to do a Southern accent. I would say he I does a much be better brothers. Southern... He I does a much crossover. He, he, he does a much better Southern accent than many American actors do British accents. Yes. Um, but what I love about this movie also is that, like, yeah, it's, it's just a, a great execution of the mystery genre. Um, but as you said, Jeff, it does introduce um, some pretty moralistic ideas um, and some... Uh, you know, this is, I don't know. I can't really talk about it without getting into spoilers. So I'll, I'll just avoid 
some of the more finer plot details other than just to say I quite enjoyed it and I think there's a bunch of like red herrings like you said Jeff uh, there's a bunch of moments where like M is what is being shown on screen what actually happened mm-hmm. you know like yeah. it, it's so great though it's like no there's no way that that's really true and then right. the movie's like no seriously it's super true and you're like but really because it doesn't seem like it would be true and then the movie's like nope definitely very very true yeah. you know it's like yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's so fun it, it it's like it's having a conversation with you because the movie seems to acknowledge those doubts and then yes, doubles yeah. down on them throughout you know it's so great yeah it subtly yeah. like proves how smart it is basically yes. like as yeah. it goes on I it, love it. it feels kind of like like Shaun of the Dead you know kind of was mm-hmm. in some ways a parody of the zombie genre but was also a great entry into it this is less kind of overtly silly than that film in my opinion um, right. I mean I love Shaun of the Dead I think it's a brilliant it's film. also less silly than Clue Right, right. Like yes, it, it mostly yes. is played straight um, for yeah. the most part. And so, uh, but it is kind of like, hey, uh, I'm going to remix this genre just a little bit, just a tiny bit, but also be like a great entry in the genre as well. Like it has all yeah. the conventions that we've come to expect from this kind of thing. Uh, many red herrings, many things that you can't, like many characters you can't trust. Everyone has a uh, uh, has a motive. You know, <laughs> one of the things, like one of my favorite Episodes of Futurama ever features Zoidberg playing a Sherlock Holmes type character. And at the end of that episode, he says something like, I have gathered you all into the accusing parlor while I slowly solve the crime. You know, and uh, that's yeah. just like that line is just like, you know, clearly written by character, like somebody who loves this genre and knows all about it and kind of wants you to enjoy it, like wants to expose you to their love of the genre as well. And yeah. that's kind of how I felt watching this movie. Is like this. Well, is it's somebody, so clear yeah. because there's references to all kinds of other mysteries. Every character, anytime a television is on, people are watching mysteries. The the, the I mean, it's about an author of mysteries. It clearly is just a love letter to these kinds of tales. But it's so smart. I mean, I hope Ryan comes on the show again because I have so many questions for him about this movie. But it, it is. I don't understand how you can. It can be this well structured, and every little thing is beautifully mm-hmm. paid off. And yet, I was still completely surprised by the outcome. It's it's high quality murder mystery stuff, but also, you know, self aware and sort of postmodern in its take on murder mystery. Yeah, yeah. I also love that this movie is the sort of thing where I think somebody watching this can be like, I need, I need more of this. I need more of this drug, and it can set them on the path of like you know, pursuing more of this genre and kind of discovering the Agatha Christie stuff. So I think that alone is like a true accomplishment. All right. Let's get to spoilers for Knives Out starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. You're going to see this coming. No. But you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be... I want to say, Dave, that my one of my favorite things about this movie is and I don't know that this is was in Ryan's head when he wrote it, but it it certainly seems like it could have been this idea of what if you have a Poirot or a Sherlock Holmes style super sleuth, but you're rooting against them the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, like what? Yeah, what if, yeah, yeah. What if you're hoping that they don't solve the case? 
because they give us the the glimpse into like, oh no, this this could be entirely this person's fault, and we really like this person. Yeah, so that is something. Yeah, I love that. I love that take on it, where you know, it's like, oh no, for the for one time, you you are rooting against the super sleuth to come up with the solution because the movie is like, no, this is legit what happened. And, and and you keep going, well, it can't be right. Because we like this person and she's kind of our protagonist. And yeah, yeah. It I don't, was she even in the, tra- like you guys haven't seen the trailers, I guess, but I don't think they showed Anna Deramus at all. Like in the yeah, promotion. I, of this I movie. Like the it was all the family. I watched the trailer. Yeah. She was certainly a minor part of it. If, if so, uh, I think so, she's like, also... the, the, the entire like pitch of this movie is basic was basically, fresh because the trailers just showed the family yeah yeah so how much of this movie were you guys thinking oh he's not really dead uh yeah so yeah so what happens is when he when he first finds out the drugs have been injected into him he is so cool and collected yes 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 i thought like okay you know, maybe he's planned this whole thing up, but then I'm like, wait, and that's probably what, what Ryan Johnson a, wants me to think. You know what I mean? Right. Well, and, he, and also he's a, a author of this kind of thing. Right. He's clearly been pulling the strings like a puppet master for his family for a long time. Is this his magnum opus was to like put them inside a mystery when he's not even really dead. But then the movie keeps showing you new things of like, no, he's super dead. You guys. Well, the, yeah, there's dead. a scene where it shows him like cutting his throat yeah, and then, and then like, I'm like, oh well, prop knife. We've talked about prop <laughs> knives and fake blood. You know, like I'm doing all the mental gymnastics in my head of like, where's the twist about him not being dead? And then the movie's like, no, blood splatters, like mortician. Oh, you know, he's super dead. And I'm like, really, movie? Because it certainly seems like he shouldn't be dead, especially because you said it's her fault. And yes, he can't really be dead, right? Right, movie. I I just I love that that process in my head and the movie's like, no, definitely very, very dead. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can just imagine like Ryan sitting in a corner and just cackling as the audience, like is, is feeling morally conflicted about what's happening. It's like, we want, we want Marta to be okay. She was involved in something bad, not entirely her fault. Like, uh, how do we make this? Okay. That is the entire push and pull of this movie. It is so, it is so good. Delicious is the word you use Jeff. And I feel yeah. like that was it. I just felt, I just I felt a rush for this entire movie. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really well put together. Uh, all of Ryan Johnson movies look good. Their uh, cinematographer is Steve Yedlin. Uh, Nathan Johnson did the music for this one as well. I mean, they it's just like the overall package of the movie is very compelling. And and I think you're right, Jeff, about kind of what the message of the movie is: is that hey, these char- you know these characters have a wide array of uh, like they they fit on the whole spectrum of how good they are as people, right? Right. Um, but in and the ideologically end, too, I, they are a, a broad spectrum of ideological. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. But at the uh, at the end of the day, like what you say you are and how you portray yourself to the world, it doesn't. It's not as important as uh, what your actions say, right? And that's right. Uh, one of the the messages of the film. I thought it was interesting. You know, I, I read Monica Castillo. She wrote an op- op-ed uh, or opinion piece in the New York Times mm-hmm. that I'll link to in the show notes. Um, she had an interesting take on the movie that I think is worth hearing. Uh, it's it's entitled, Why I Left Knives Out with Emotional Whiplash. What it's like to watch a movie in which your greatest fears are played for giggles. And, you know, she's talking about how, like, the, the character of Marta is, uh, like, threatened. Her and her family are, like, threatened with deportation. And then they're, they're kind of like, uh, the 
white people in the movie are like, oh yeah, she's from Ecuador, she's from Bolivia. Obviously, mm-hmm. it, the, you know, it's meant to indict them as like kind of uh, being racist in the sense that they don't. Um, yeah. Even the ones who don't maybe consider themselves rapists too. Like right, I think right, that's exactly. the correct. interesting part there. Correct, correct. Uh, in, in the sense I mean, that, not even, you don't even have to go to the R word. You can just say they're just sort of self-interested assholes yeah. who, who can't be bothered to learn the truth. They, they only, you know, they're not even interested enough to pay attention to what is actually the the real answer there. Uh, sure. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's still, relevant it's because she is, it is a still different, the R word. Yeah. 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 Um, but in any case, I, it's worth reading. I'm not like, I'm not going to litigate it with you guys here on the show because it's not my perspective, but I think it's, it's basically like these characters deny the character of Marta, any kind of interiority or individuality, but that the movie doesn't really give her that individual. Like, I don't think you ever find out where she's actually from, uh, in the course of the film. And so like the movie is kind of like hypocritical in that sense. So I'd recommend you check out the piece, but it was an interesting perspective. And, And also the fact that like, um, I, I, for people who, for whom like the threat of deportation is a constant menace every day, I can understand why watching yeah. this movie would not be enjoyable. Um, certainly, but certainly. Uh, uh, anyway, it's, it's just a perspective that's worth it. It's not one that I considered when I was watching the yeah. movie. I mean, I, I had the same experience as you all, which is uh, had a great time, and I was like, oh, you know, the turns of phrase and you know the the twists of the plot are are, are so delightful, and yeah. I was just like, hmm. I was like, uh, that, that's. It's worth mentioning that piece, Dave. Like, I think it's a good perspective, too. And I will say, like, the once they started bringing up immigration in this movie, I was like, oh, so he's going there. He's doing something. Yeah, I do right. think like that that is dangerous. Right. If you bring that up and you handle it sloppily or if you're just like if you're using it as like a weapon against this character and it's just sort of like uh, clumsy, I feel like that that can re- easily turn people off. I can certainly see what see why, um, you know, it, it may make you feel uncomfortable. I'll say like I, I, I don't know. Let specter, me just say but the, the, that's yeah. a good point, Devendra. I'll just say I don't know that it's clumsy so much as like. No, uh, I'm not saying it is. Right, I'm not but, saying but, it but is. like I don't it, know that he has much to such. say about. Like it is just another weapon. Like for for the characters yes. in, the, in the movie, I think the the threat of deportation is just another weapon that they use against yes. against this character, right? And that like I I think the movie has more to say about. Um, what like the 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 overall morals of the character, and also like potentially their illusory politics, right? Than it does yeah, about yeah. immigration as an issue specifically. Yeah, for right? sure. It's and, it's sort of like the get out thing, where even people who are presenting themselves as like well meaning, like I think as soon as Jamie Lee Curtis was like, oh yeah, we think of you as family, we'll always take care of you. He's like, oh, I don't trust her, and then it turns out like even even like the sort of like better ones, like um. Uh, Tony Collette's character is is probably one of the better ones, even though she's sort of like, yeah, pretending to be like a Gwyneth Paltrow type character. Um, she will, you know, she just as easily turned on Marta. Her daughter did. Her daughter, who is probably like the person closest to Marta, will reveal that fact to the family. It shows like the vulnerability of like privilege, of how like people who will believe one thing about themselves uh, when pushed to the limit will completely act in self-interest. Uh, what I was going to say, I, I really like that piece by Monica. I, Hey, I grew, I also kind of grew up with the specter of immigration 
and dealing with that, like people in my family have had to go back to my home country. My mom had to go back uh, when I was a kid for a while, for several months, just to clear up immigration issues. So the current state of the world we're in right now, too, is like terrifying to me because I know just how easily you can be taken away from this country. And to me, on my side, it certainly seemed like that that made it even scarier of how like these people can just like juggle with um, the lives of immigrants so easily without basically carrying a second thought. So I found it powerful in that respect. But yeah, it doesn't really make a broader statement on immigration or anything like that. Yeah, I think I think the broader statement is about what you, you said, Devinder. Also, like it's about it's very much about privilege, right? There's a scene yeah. in the movie where Michael Shannon kind of says, hey, like says to Marta, hey, we've all been talking it over and we think, you know, you, we're going to take care of you. You're part of the family. And boy, does that turn real quick when yep. the uh, yep. true nature of the will is revealed. And it's like, by the way, uh, she's getting everything and she gets to decide who's like, quote unquote, part of the family. Then it's like, <laughs> hey, that, that initial, basically, he only was saying that because he had power or he thought he had power in that situation, mm-hmm. right? And he thought he had the power and the privilege. And once that was removed, it's like, okay, now, not only do I not feel that way, I'm going to try to remove the power and privilege from the person who I think is undeserving. And yes. uh, and yeah, I think the movie does a great job of kind of making that point. Um, so I think it's, it's more sharp on some things than others, certainly. Um, let me ask you guys this. Like, what did you think of the actual reveal, right? Like, Mm-hmm. That of, of like what actually happened, you know the the question. First of all, the the donut monologue is a work of art. A, the donut <laughs> yeah. within a donut, the donut hole within a donut. Like as that kept so going, good. as it kept building up, it felt like the people in my theater. It was a it was pretty much a sold out theater. Like everybody was clapping, everybody was cackling. Like this movie got everybody right at that moment. But yeah, yeah, and and to me the the central idea that she is so experienced and skilled that she would instinctively take the more or less viscous mm-hmm. solution without even paying attention to the labels is such a beautiful yeah it, it, it's a t- twist it's such a beautiful turn of that like that's of course she wouldn't poison him she is been doing this too long to just rely on the labels. That's not, you're beyond labels at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that was exquisite and uh, I, I didn't see it coming at all. That little, that little nugget of information. And I don't know. I, this movie had me so completely from start <laughs> to finish. It was, it's so great. It's so great. Did you, so I, you know, I think the reveal ultimately being right that mm-hmm. uh, Chris Evans is, has been deceiving everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's kind of the one that's most like they're they're all culpable in some way, right. but like well, the the like, the father like did kill himself, right? But then yeah, right. then all this other stuff happened. And actually, I think from that first scene, like from the first flashback to what happened that night, that's initially what I thought what that happened. Like, oh, this guy hates his family. He hates all of them. He hates like this situation he's built, like these undeserving children who don't know the value of a dollar, basically, because they've never actually built anything for themselves, even though they keep saying they do. Um, This movie entirely hinged on that. So I I considered the possibility that he had faked his death, but it seemed more powerful if like, no, this is the way he wants to go out. And he wants to go out by 
giving the only good person in his life, you know, all the power. But the uh, basically all the other stuff, the um, the Chris Evans stuff, it felt it, it seems like that was pretty foretold, like given how close he was to her, like how basically we've learned not to trust anybody in that family. But it was certainly well done in terms of how he actually did it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I eat all that kind of stuff up of like when it's like they're explaining what he did and the flashbacks and everything like that. Um, uh-huh. There's actually an episode of Rick and Morty that happened this week that is, is about heist yeah, movies. Yeah. It's the more about movie. that ruins every heist movie forever. <laughs> it's more basically. about heist movies than about con movies or mystery, you know, yes. murder mysteries, which this I would say this is. Um, what did you make of the fact that Marta gets super sick anytime she tells a lie? I thought that was an interesting. I don't know if that's based off of something, in, you know, in, in it, it is a real thing. People have uh, published articles about it, or at least it is a real condition where your body can react involuntarily to things like that, to stressful situations. So maybe you could stretch it to lying. It is symbolically showing like, oh, man, she is so pure. She is so honest that she she can literally never tell a lie because people will always know. Um, it seems like a convenient thing, but it also fits that character too it, yeah. it seems to work it's just an interesting mechanic too to introduce into like it's like i've seen i yeah. feel like i've seen i haven't seen like hundreds of mysteries i've seen i feel like i've seen like i don't know a dozen or a couple dozen of mysteries <laughs> and i've never seen the mechanic of like one of the characters can't lie you know what i mean uh I, so yeah. i just thought that was like an interesting way of like going about that because it's like oh mm-hmm. a new a new variable into the mix that uh, it's so great it's so yeah. great you have the person that you most want to lie incapable of doing so yeah yeah and it's a stress point that you you put on the person you're rooting for throughout the story which is great and also it's hilarious at the end when she finally does you know projectile vomit into his face that we're all cheering that the woman actually is dead (laughs) we're like yes she was dead the whole she (laughs) did die from her injuries (laughs) yay marta didn't save her what what um, <laughs> she tried, you know. That's yeah. All he that does matters. get he, yeah. he, he he does get uh, goes to jail for murder because she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um. So, anyway. Also, shout yeah, out the, to the, the, uh, kind surprise. of a dark kind of a dark reveal. There, you're right, Jeff. Yeah. Kind of a dark reveal. Shout out to the surprise Frank Oz reveal in this movie. Oh, like who? Dude, love it. Whenever this guy so appears good. in anything, I will I will instantly love it. Yeah. He was so great. And the his assistant, who has like no lines, but is <laughs> you know, very few lines, but is is yeah. it's such a wonderful, you know, helping him it's out. It's a physical and then, like, comedy role. Yeah. Basically, like, she's, like she walks in carrying later. a ton of yeah, yeah, yeah. She walks in carrying a ton of papers, like taller than herself, and yeah. then she's the one sleeping in the background. Love so it. So good. So Indeed. good. And there's so many wonderful framing things. I mean, all the stuff with the dog bringing the piece of wood constantly yeah. or, you know, all of that stuff. It just, it's delicious. It's a delicious experience of just like, oh my God, this is happening now. It's a mud like, path. The mud path. Like when that was revealed, I was like, oh, how is she going to get out of this situation? How? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, it's like watching someone assemble a, a Rube Goldberg machine and yes. then set it into motion. You know, like that's what that's what it is. Every single piece that's introduced early matters. Uh, I love that they just made things easier for you when they're introducing all the characters. They put like the name right on the screen next to them, uh, and it's just like that okay. sequence where they're all having the same interview but yeah. saying the different. It's so beautifully cut together, yep, and yep. yeah, it's just great. It's a great movie. Check it out. A lot of people are enjoying it right now and having fun with it. 
Uh, and definitely a movie you could also take the family to. I have a feeling a lot of Thanksgiving families went to go see this movie. Um, so I hope so. Yeah. Uh, and and I must say, guys, are we officially in a Don Jonasance? I hope so. <laughs> Between uh, Watchmen and this, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's great in both. So I... Uh, hope he can. Uh, I mean, uh, it, it, we are in a Don Jonasance in the same way we are in a Jamie Lee Curtis uh, Curtisance, right? Yeah, Curtis. I guess. So what is that? Halloween and what else? This she, movie. This. That's the only two things. That's yeah. the. That's the sans? I guess. Uh, that's I mean, you just tried to assance Don Johnson for Watchmen in this. So <laughs> yeah, I just feel like an ongoing series is maybe more uh, more sansy. But you know, two good movies in the, in oh, the span of yeah. Well, you're right. I mean, Don Johnson was in many many episodes of Watchmen as a major character. So mm. I see what your logic mm. is there, Jeff. I've only watched the the one, Dave. Is he not in the show anymore? Uh, did you, you watch I mean, the you entire? Saw, you saw the did end. you watch the entire <laughs> episode? Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, that's a good point. Anyway, all right, um, I'm not giving Jamie Lee Curtis her due. <laughs> Fair enough. But when was Halloween? Was like three years ago? Four years ago? <laughs> uh, it was in 2018, Jeff. I'm not trying to slight Jamie Lee Curtis. I love me some Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. I'm just saying. Also, she's uh, in uh, Veronica Mars in 2014, and she's going to be right. in the next Halloween movie. Halloween Kills in 2020. So sweet, oh boy. Yeah. So the Curtisance is uh, is upon us as well. Anyway, all right. Well, that's going to bring us into this week's episode of the Slash Filmcast. Find more episodes at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast@gmail.com. Our theme song comes from AdamWarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker Kyle Hillinger, and this episode was edited by Baby Zhang. Stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week on the podcast. In the meantime, Jeff Kanata, where can I find more of your work on the internet? Well, you can always follow me on Twitter at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Um, I also do a video game podcast called DLC, which you can find at 5x5.tv slash DLC. Fun show. You should check it out. Uh, also, uh, last week I did a, a guest appearance on um, Screen Drafts podcast where we like drafted uh, the best sword and sorcery uh, movies. Uh, it was fun. You should check that out. Um and the reason I did that was to promote a show I'm doing called The Dungeon Run, which is my live play Dungeons & Dragons show I'm super proud of. It is a big fantasy storytelling writ large. But don't take my word for it. Listen to this review that was posted from a Slash Filmcast listener <laughs> on the podcast version of The Dungeon Run. Uh, it's, it's titled A Convert is Made. This is from Yogini Nurse. I'm not a D&D fan and was only curious because I like listening to Jeff and his movie review podcast, The Slash Filmcast. Nice. But nailed I, it. Yeah, but I'm hooked on the dungeon run. So professionally done and enthralling to follow. I marathoned the first five episodes last night. Sleep was secondary. Looking forward to the rest. Thank you. If you're listening, Yogini Nurse, thank you for posting that review. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon Run. You can be like Yogini Nurse. All you got to do is listen to it as an audio show, uh, audio podcast, wherever you get podcasts, Dungeon Run. Or check out the YouTube. Uh, all the episodes are on YouTube uh, if you search for The Dungeon Run. Or you can watch it live when we record Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. All right. Devinder Hardware, how about you? Or you can find me on Twitter at, at Devendra. I write about tech at Engadget.com. I'm also doing the Engadget podcast there. So check that out. If you want to hear me interview the composer for Knives Out, Nathan Johnson, check out Culturally Relevant 
my new interview podcast at culturallyrelevantshow.com. Next week, we'll be discussing The Irishman. The Irishman. Or Irishman, as I believe. It's a superhero movie, right? I, yeah, Irishman. Irish yeah. Irish. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on Netflix right uh, now. Scorsese's only doing superhero movies from now on. That's, That's what I heard. Understand That's it. what I heard, yeah. It's uh, on Netflix right now. It's three and a half hours long. Check it out. And we will be discussing it next week on the podcast. Uh, until then, we'll see you later on the session.